Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. This week is all about Balloon Fiesta, and for the last couple years, we have spotlighted the state's biggest event in a few different ways. It's also about our two-year podcast anniversary, by the way, if you didn't know. So here we are now in early October talking about Balloon Fiesta, but this year, this time, our focus of discussion is not about the event per se, but instead, we're talking about the park where it all goes down. There's a good reason for a park discussion, too, based on what happened about a week and a half ago on a late Friday morning, a big news dump, if you will. We got a surprise announcement from the city of Albuquerque and the future of Balloon Fiesta Park. For the first time maybe ever, the city is on track to leasing out a chunk of Balloon Fiesta Park to a private entity, specifically the soccer franchise New Mexico United. Just a few months ago, we welcomed United's owner, Peter Trevisani, right here on the New Mexico News Podcast after a major clue that fans got earlier in the year. That whole rhymes with Lagoon Siesta thing that happened back in March. Trevisani dropped that big hint at the team's annual black and yellow bash that United was looking into building a stadium at Balloon Fiesta Park. So this recent announcement, we now know exactly where and just how much land the team is looking to build a stadium on. And at this point, we've also got a fresh look at at least one rendering that the team is working with. With Albuquerque now closer than ever to possibly getting a pro-level soccer stadium for the team, we're sitting down here today with team owner Peter Trevisani and also David Weesey Carl, a longtime fan slash the team's communications and fan experience director. We're talking to them here today in the KRQE studios about this big announcement. What's next? And let's get to that conversation. Both of you, Peter and David, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday since you gave birth to this podcast. So yeah, yeah. you got a toddler now. I know. Can walk. It's amazing. Exciting you guys have, uh, you've improved your, your podcast voices. I feel like I'm on with like Audie Cornish, okay. Lakshmi Singh, NPR. <laughs> well okay. done, well done. This All is right. flattering. Thank you guys. Well, yeah. we're, you we're... guys have come a long way too. Let's not <laughs> just ignore the fact that you're about to build the first soccer stadium in New Mexico. It's a huge deal, it sounds like. And yeah, I want to get to that. So, Peter, let's just start with you. United finally getting its own stadium. How do you feel about this announcement of the lease agreement between your team and the city of Albuquerque? And how do you hope the fans take the news? Well, personally, you know, I feel incredible about it. I think we've been saying all along that while the goal of New Mexico United was never to build a stadium, we do need a facility so that we can have a team here for the next hundred years. And after the the bond vote for the city bond was voted down, it was also a, a moment where we said, okay, now we can take it a little bit more into our own hands and we don't, we don't quit here in New Mexico and we don't it wasn't no, it was just no, not this way. And so we've been working on it for, for a couple of years now. And I feel like we took a really important step. This land is, it's a great location and it has a lot of attributes that go way beyond just a, a stadium or New Mexico United. So just to break down a few details here, this new lease agreement, it calls for a 30 year deal between United and the city. And essentially that turns the primary parking lot for Fiesta east of the balloon launch fields, the south end of that primary parking lot is the seven acre site that essentially the stadium is expected to go on. 
The agreement calls for United to spend $30 million on upgrades to the seven-acre site. Well, we know as well that the city says it will spend at least around $10 million so far on things like electric, sewer, and also ground leveling work. The lease, important to note, still has to go to city council for approval. So I want to ask about the site itself. What makes this site ripe for a stadium, Peter? And, and this again, where exactly will it be here on the park grounds? Yeah, it's it's a good point. There's a, there's a lot of things I think that go into making a good site. They all have pros and cons. And, you know, you pointed out that this is going into uh, on, to, on top of what's existing parking. So the seven acre, you know, there's about 13,000 parking spaces at Balloon Fiesta. This site will cover about 600 of them, but through some re-engineering and acquiring some other land, the city actually believes that they're going to be adding, you know, up to three to 400 new net new parking sites. So that's really important because parking is is important for Balloon Fiesta. The second thing about this site is that it sits around the midfield of the, around the midsection of the balloon fields, but it's right behind these big power lines. So the the balloons can't fly that way right now. It'd be, they would never, if the wind was going that way, they would never be able to fly. So it doesn't impede on Balloon Fiesta at all. And in fact, even for landing, you know, they'll be landing on a soccer field instead of a concrete parking lot. So we think that it provides a lot of really great attributes in terms of infrastructure. I guess the last thing I'd say there is, you know, when uh, Saturday kicks off, 80 to 100,000 people are going to be pouring into this park. At a United game, it's more like eight to 10 or 12,000 people. So even the ingress egress is is designed for a, a multitude of what we're going to be uh, taking. So infrastructure wise, it's great and uh, provides a lot of other synergies because that park only really gets used right now for two weeks for Balloon Fiesta, and then a few other things are cropping up. So let's let's make that park viable, you know, every weekend, every, every day for that matter. And Chris, you mentioned the $10 million uh, coming from the city. That's actually money that's already been allocated from the state. It's not city funds at all. It was allocated about two, two and a half years ago prior to the, the bond election, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, but it's not city funds at all. And, and as you mentioned, it's going towards infrastructure upgrades that are desperately needed at Balloon Fiesta Park, regardless of whether or not there's a stadium there. Yeah. So these are, these are funds essentially from the state legislature that the city essentially has control of, right? right. But after that, that process of uh, usually capital outlay process, I think it is, right? Where the city says, hey, legislature, give me this money for this thing. And I think those monies, right, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was set aside for basically a multi-purpose soccer stadium. For, or for readying a pad, uh, for, getting, for getting a site, wherever, whether that's at Balloon Fiesta or somewhere else prepared in order for that to happen. And, and we're really excited that because of this project, we're able to use those dollars or the city rather is able to use these dollars to improve Balloon Fiesta Park, something that, again, needs needs some help, right? As far as public toilets, as far as electricity for vendors row, that kind of stuff. And funding has been kind of a core to getting this whole process started, right? We were talking about funding, as we mentioned years ago for this project. Just a quick recap, voters did turn down the option to use bond money, a $50 million bond, if I'm memory serves me correctly. But let's talk just a little bit about costs. So at this point, do you have a ballpark for around how much you think that you'll spend on the stadium? Obviously, there are details to work out, but it's, you know, in United's intent, is it to cap out on that $30 million investment? Are you going to seek any more private or state funding for the project? Yeah, it's a great question. I think you know, from our perspective, we wanted to start with the number that we felt most secure about. 
And so 30 million was actually ironically a number that we had proposed back in the original bond where we were going to put 10 million into capital, which, and then 20 million into lease payments. So we were actually prepared to make a $30 million commitment. So that, that dollar amount hasn't changed. All that's changed is that what we spend it on. And then, you know, could we uh, grow it from there? It's possible. You know, we are going to have to, you know, we are doing some designing and some pricing right now. Things have only gotten a lot more expensive since, uh, since 2019, 2021. So we have to be realistic. We want to make sure we build something that really represents our community and something we're proud of understanding that it's, you know, it's not going to be so fi. It's not going to be a multi-billion dollar stadium. Um, what we really are going to be building is something that gives us some stake, stakes in the ground that we're proud of and that maybe over time we can add to uh, with additional private capital. But that's where we can use our creative mind and problem solving mind. And that's what we expect to, uh, and plan to do over the next you know, few months as, as this progresses through the system. So I was looking through the lease agreement as it's been drafted and the one that sits in front of city council at this point. And I know one of the things in here that is notable was that it says tenant securing that part of this deal is essentially contingent on quote, tenants securing industrial revenue bonds by July 31, 2024. And so I wanted to ask you, if you can give us kind of an idea of how industrial revenue bonds are part of this picture for that lease agreement, how would those potentially work? What would, what's that mixture like? Yeah, the, the IRBs, as you're mentioning, are a tool that is used often by the county and by the city. I think they just approved a $40 million one uh, last week. The count, I don't know if that was city or county, but these are bonds that really uh, help encourage uh, investment in infrastructure. And so what they can do is they can give you some relief on taxes generally around construction costs. So that's kind of the way I look at it. So the IR, you know, these bonds, they're not a major part of the investment thesis or the project, but they will allow us to take a couple million dollars and reinvest it into the project as opposed to paying it out immediately in taxes. So it's a very traditional use. And we're going to look at other areas to try to, you know, secure additional assistance, you know, through public resources. And what I'm talking about are really traditional resources that many private companies have used before us and will use after us. I don't, I don't think that New Mexico United should get preferential treatment, nor should it be excluded from, you know, from these tools. And that's how we, they're there to help spur economic development. They're there to help spur quality of life improvements, especially for projects that improve quality of life for our community. And I really think we fall right into the, we'd be the poster child for that type of project. So you know, that doesn't mean we will secure those or get those, but we'll just go through the standard process. And if we can, that can help us build a bigger stadium or a more inclusive stadium. Uh, and if we don't, then we'll just move forward with the $30 million of, of private money. David, question for you as director of fan experience, we know it's part of your job to, you know, have a pulse on what the fans are saying and how to respond to them. You were one of the founding, if I'm not mistaken, members of the curse. Okay. Which is the official supporters group for the team. Can you tell us what have you heard so far from the United fans about this move? Yeah. One of seven supporters groups. Now we started with one and, and we've grown exponentially. It's, it's been terrific, but yeah, absolutely. Fans are excited. Uh, I think first and foremost, they're, they're interested in learning more. I think things like this podcast help make that happen. People have questions, but, but it's, I think more so than anything, there's, there's a bit of, yes, we can finally get this across the finish line. And I think that's from people across New Mexico. It's not just people in Albuquerque. It's not just people who have season tickets. 
you know, the folks that we've talked to want to know how they can help, right? They want to know, you know, should we write our city councilors? Should we, you know, have conversations with, with people in our families and our communities? And the answer to that is, is certainly yes. And then the other piece of it, which is, you know, if, if and when we get through the city council piece in the next few weeks, we really get to get into the fun part, which is what's it going to look like? You know, some of the questions you guys are asking, how big is it going to be? What's the supporter section going to look like? Are we going to have Meow Wolf portals in the stadium? Or is Pete finally going to get his zip line to his tree fort suite? You know, all of these things. <laughs> it's already in there. Okay. That's, that's about a million of the 30. Is, oh is the zip line. No, uh, but, but people want to know what it's going to look like. And again, this is the fun part. Once we get to this, I'm looking forward to engaging with these people. I'm looking forward to, to going to whether they're fans or, or they're first timers and saying, what do you want to see in this? You know, what do the the pavers look like? What do the bathrooms look like? What does it look like to you? How can we make it inclusive and fun and exciting and, and most importantly, New Mexican? We want to make something that's uniquely us, like we've done every step of the way. That's the fun part for us. Yeah, you get to draw it from the ground up, essentially. Other people are going to draw it. Well, I, I cannot draw not it. Not you. Okay. <laughs> well, delving a little bit more into that, you know, David, you did share with us that day of the announcement the new rendering of what the stadium could look like. And people have probably seen some of the older renderings around the time of the bond election. Just to be clear, there is a new one, which kind of has more of a blue sky tint to it. And we'll post that photo in the show notes. I might here. have another one or two for you as well. Ooh, I like that. That's a good, that's a good we love renderings. Yeah. We love <laughs> renderings. So we'll post this in, on the, um, the web article tied to this podcast post, but if we can talk a little bit about what we can see in that one photo we've seen here so far, it is looking north. You can see on one side, I think it's the west side, some covered seats, mm -hmm. the east side with a berm of just grass. And it looks like an entirely kind of a berm section. How much of that can we expect, do you think, in the final product? I mean, I know a lot of times renderings can be conceptual in their nature until you get through a lot of the processes, the dollars and cents. But Maybe how locked in are you guys toward that style of, yeah, that berm and then also that covering? I would say the answer is some. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are really early in the design process, right? And, and we've got a lot of elements there that we really, really like. You know, a roof on the west side makes a lot of sense for lots of reasons. One, sun, obviously. It's New Mexico. It gets hot. But two, we want to keep the sound in there. I mean, that's crucial. The east side is right up against an escarpment. And if that berm is there, which we really like as well. That helps trap that sound. We want to make this place a fortress, right? We want to we want to make it difficult for opposing teams to come here. So the ability for us to kind of utilize the elements in a way that helps us, I really like that. There are plenty of other pieces. I'm looking at the photo right now in front of me that I'm sure will change. Uh, one thing that won't change and the thing that I like best about this photo is is the people in it. There's a lot of kids playing in the grass there. There's people cheering for their team and looks like we might be actively scoring a goal as that's happening too. So all those things hopefully will stay the same. We as need well. some smoke. That's right. We need smoke bombs. Yeah. That's one thing that that's, uh, comes across really cool on a lot of the fan experience photos has been that those big clouds of yellow smoke that are often there at games. He joked about the zip line, but do you have like a vision that you really want in, in the rendering that maybe we can't see? Yeah. You know, it's uh you know, on the zip line, really that what that really just shows is what we like to do is just be playful, be creative, not limit us to things that have been done before, get a little crazy. And maybe they're not the best ideas in the world, but maybe, maybe some of them are. And I think David really summed it up well. You know, we want to, you know, we have to be, a, be realistic about the resources we have and, and where we are. But some of the things we want to do is make sure that we, we have a place that 
keeps the sound in. Um, one that's good for neighbors, you know, there really isn't a house within a half a mile or more of this location, which is great because we don't want to be, you know, disruptive to those that live in the, the area. Keep the noise in, make it loud. Now, that's a big part of going to New Mexico United game. You know, create a space. When you look at the berm, yes, there's a lot of people sitting there and playing there. But for me, that also really ensures that we're going to have affordability. And we don't want New Mexico United to just be for people that can afford a season ticket or a premium ticket. And yes, we we have some areas for that, but we also want to make sure that everybody who wants to come to a game can afford it at least at least once a year. And so we're going to have to try to balance all that out. So we have a lot of different, you know, gods we're praying to on this one and, and that's okay. That's okay. Capacity wise. I know this has been something that's also a little squishy, if you will, no final number has maybe been arrived at, but I understand that you're seeing about 10,000 fans a game and you want to sort of have that capacity for about, you know, 7,500 to a thousand fans. Am I right? Yeah. So Isotopes Park right now has about 10,000 seats more or less. And then they can fit up to another 5,000 of general admission. That would be the berm. That would be the standing room area. I've been in there when it's crowded and you can't walk. So there's a point where it just doesn't become a great experience because you can't go to get any food. You can't get to the bathroom. It's hard to get to your seat. So we're going to have to balance that. I think we're going to probably have less seats to start. Again, we're working through all that. We're, you know, going to, try to manage a lot of things. But if we have the seats in the 7,500 area with the capacity for another two to 3,000 of general admission, standing room, lawn, that's kind of where, where my head is at right now to get started. It means that we probably ideally will have some sold out games, but we also want to make sure that it's not just sold out with season tickets. So uh, we'll manage that in a way to make sure everybody's in there. And what's better than a packed stadium when you're seeing your favorite uh, fa- favorite team play? And one of the things that I think is important that Pete just mentioned there is that's that's phase one, right? Could be 7,500 with, with 3,000 standing room or, or general admission seats, people on the berm, whatever that may be. But we may expand beyond that, right? We, we have the ability, and that's one thing that's really crucial is to have the flexibility to potentially expand, potentially change things whatever that may look like. So even if we started with 10-5, it could be larger than that later on. We've definitely seen that in some MLS stadiums. I know um, one that comes to mind is the Portland Timbers have certainly over the years that they've grown very much added to Seattle's their Seattle's done it. Chicago's done it. Dallas has done it. It's, it's important to have that flexibility. Yeah. And it seems like the space is there. Yeah. It, I was talking uh, about parking spots, so how it has 13,000 parking spots. It's about a 360, 370 acre park. And, you know, we're talking about seven acres going to the facility and then, and then we can use the parking that exists. So there's a lot of room for programming. There's plenty of space for obviously balloon fiesta and, and we can do much more out there on the weekends. You know, when I think about meow wolf night, maybe, you know, we're, we have meow wolf weekend where we have artists and, performers that are are out there all weekend, um, maybe with some music and food and really showing off the creativity of New Mexico for an entire weekend, not just for a game. So it gives us a platform to, as a community, not just as a team, but really as a community to think bigger, to, to paint a brighter canvas and take this great asset that the city has, Balloon Fiesta Park, and make it uh, something that, that people want to go to all the time. That's going to really help improve the city. 
I should note that one thing as well in the lease agreement that I, I noticed is outlined is that the, the stadium would not be in use during the fiesta. If anyone was just wondering about that's written into the lease agreement as it is, as it stands now. Yeah. We've, we've been working with balloon fiesta. Obviously you can imagine balloon fiesta, the organization, they have one of the most beautiful festivals in the world. And it's such a huge lift for this city and state on every level, economic, socially, and emotionally. And so we would never want to do anything that infringed on that and also, you know, did them any kind of harm. Actually, what we'd rather do is can we figure out a way to help and elevate that festival? And I think that if you talk to people who've been out there, uh, as beautiful as it is, they, there is a sense that the facilities, the public facilities out there are really lacking. So there really aren't any permanent bathrooms. The vendor row really doesn't have electricity that can support what they really need to support out there. And for this kind of, you know, area, I think, you know, th- that infrastructure needs to be upgraded regardless. And because for some people, that's their only interaction with New Mexico. So let's make it a great one. And with that, we can actually leverage that infrastructure for the facility that we're building and other things that could come down the road. Even if the stadium isn't hosting games, the weekends of Balloon Fiesta, you're saying there's a potential to elevate the experience for Fiesta by building up this new infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, we have, we've talked a lot about trying to get creative and, you know, for example, building permanent bathrooms out there that would be public bathrooms. So they're available for balloon fiesta, but they're placed in a location that people who are coming to the games could also use them. So they're not just bathrooms for two weeks, they're bathrooms all year round. And then for other events that are out there, that's, that's one thing, you know, we've agreed not to play games during, you know, balloon, the two weeks of balloon fiesta. And that's great. And, and maybe down the road, balloon fiesta feels differently about it. And we do, and we, we play, but that would be something we'd all have to feel a hundred percent about. But that, you know, maybe Balloon Fiesta, ideally, maybe people want to use, I like the thought of having the park open every day. So maybe people want to come in there and sit. Maybe there's another way to use the facility during Balloon Fiesta that is supportive. And if we can figure that out, great. I know there are some other components of the lease agreement too, that I think we should talk about. It sounds like you also want this stadium to be available for soccer championships. (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is uh, so important to us that, that one of the reasons why we can't stay at Isotopes Park is because there's not enough space for the programming that we would like to do, right? Because we are in, you know, there's baseball games and there's UNM football games and there's all these other great things that need their own platform and have their own platform. And so with this facility, we can bring things like a women's team to New Mexico and absolutely hosting state championships, not just for soccer, it could be for lacrosse, could be for other sports, uh, whatever it's appropriate for. We would love to do that. Maybe we can build out some all-star games that can bring the North and South and East and West together and right into the middle of Albuquerque and really show off all of our athletes uh, in another way. And anything we can do to be a catalyst for positive outcomes, that's our mission. And I think this facility is just going to give us a, a huge platform to do that. And, and having the facility of our own also does provide some additional flexibility for that stuff. So an example of that, this past year, we were able to bring in Sunderland AFC, a historic club in England for an international friendly. And, and we were able to get that done, but it took a lot of effort to find a date that worked because of all the programming, right? Isotopes Park, Isotopes play what, something like 80 home games a year. And then across the street, you've got, you know, UNM football and basketball and soccer and, and all of these wonderful things, but it doesn't allow a lot of space. 
when we have our own space, all of a sudden now we have the ability to really work with these international clubs to, to potentially bring in some big names to play here. We're excited about that and not just say, this is the one weekend we got, take it or leave it. These big clubs don't necessarily work that way. So it'll be exciting to be able to do that. I wanted to ask you all as well about the potential impact on the stadium. I know we talked to just a brief mention earlier, right? There's not homes right next door to where the stadium potentially will be built, but they are within, you know, earshot for sure. And and within, I think about at least a half mile, right. Of, of the stadium site. So near some neighborhoods, there's obviously potential of more cars, maybe through the area, some more traffic, more noise with events. Do you talk with neighbors and maybe get their feedback or come up with any sort of neighborhood agreement by any chance before things start to unwind as part of this? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So we already have spoken and will continue to speak with the neighbors. Um, there's there's multiple locations around there. Yeah, I don't I don't believe there's any houses within a half a mile. But then at that point, you do have some homes to the to the west and to the south. To the north is Sandia, and that area right now is just vacant land. And then uh, as you move to the east, like directly to the east, it's mostly industrial as you head out to i to i twenty five. So. There are two kind of quadrants that we need to work with. And so we've been in discussion with those neighbors. And one of the things I really love about this site is that it almost sits in a natural amphitheater. So there's escarpments, you know, both to the uh, south and to the east. And so that will create a natural sound barrier. The roof that David you know, mentioned earlier also keeps the sound down and in. And the idea right now, while not finalized, is to try to at least do some kind of horseshoe where the open end would be to the north. So as any light or sound spill out, it's going to track up north where we have miles of open space before we hit any homes in the Pueblo of Sandia, for example. So we've done a lot of studies. I think they have come out way better than we thought they would in terms of what the story they tell. We're excited to share those studies. Uh, about light and sound and the capturing of those two things. And those are going to be important aspects. And I think in terms of ingress, egress, just focusing on balloon fiesta drive, we can accommodate the cars. We don't need to have cars come in off Alameda. We can close off some of those streets that go into the neighborhood. So people aren't cutting through and they'll have to go around and use the highway. But again, it's a couple thousand cars. It's not 15,000 cars. And most of the games are on Saturday, not on during rush hours. So we're hopeful that while the impact won't be zero, we're not naive, it will be very manageable and, and we can work with the neighbors in a way that makes everyone feel respected and heard. And, and as Pete mentioned, those studies are, are in progress right now. And, but our preliminary sound studies, which I've, I've been able to get at least a little bit on, is indicating, again, those nearest neighborhoods are west, south, and east. We have potentially the roof to the west the escarpments to the south and east. And the preliminary studies are showing that the nearest neighborhoods, the decibel reading would be lower than a conversation. Again, preliminary, still ongoing, but it's a good start. Mm. Should people be on the lookout for neighborhood meetings or public meetings to discuss this? Or will there be plans for like a neighborhood agreement? Well, there, there have been some, I think there's been three neighborhood meetings to date or meetings that the neighbors have been invited to by the city because it is their property and we certainly have attended. And we've also, I think, are working on a, a fourth meeting right now because some people felt like they couldn't get to one of those other meetings. So we'll meet, we can meet every Tuesday, <laughs> you know, okay. and just keep talking it out. There's, we're not, you can learn a lot at those meetings. There's things that 
are obvious and there's things that aren't obvious. And when you hear what's important to people, then you can, and then we can problem solve for it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're, we are. And again, it's this, you know, the city is working with the neighborhoods following the, the process there. And, you know, we're optimistic that over time that we'll have the support and we'll be able to move forward with the project. And, and I mentioned earlier, getting into the fun part, right? The design and all these things. And it's not just for the aesthetics. It's not just for the experience in the stadium. It's for the people who are in the area as well. And we, we had a meeting last night with one of the local chambers of commerce here just to kind of talk about, you know, the process and, and, and see what their thoughts were. And it was largely supportive, but we had one individual who brought up a lot of concerns. And what I said to him kind of after we talked through a lot of these things is, is thank you for bringing these things up because what we don't want, what we've never wanted is to be in a place where we're not wanted. And what we've never wanted is to be in a place where it feels like we would want to shove this project down somebody's throat. And we don't solve these problems unless these problems are brought to us. It's crucial. It's needed in order for us to fix any issue and to make the best possible experience for everyone. So that kind of feedback, welcome, not just welcome, but needed. Yeah. Let's say that city council votes to approve this lease agreement in the next few weeks. When do you hope for construction to start and what's next? Yeah. So in broad strokes, basically, if that's a positive, then we, the city is right now working on a process to get the master plan, the master site plan to be amended so we can have a facility like that in Balloon Fiesta. I'm told that's a process that happens from time to time. So EPC uh, gets involved. And so we have to go through all the permitting. So then we get through all the permitting, get into, you know, next year. And then really the city um, using, you know, the state capital outlay needs to then start to put some of this infrastructure in so that we can get to a point with what we just call a pad ready site, meaning that we have a site that is ready for us to start building on and the infrastructure is there to support it. You know, so once that happens, then most, then really it moves more into New Mexico United's court where now we're building up our aspects of the stadium. And, you know, one of the things that we're really looking to do, you know, for budget and for speed and for beauty and, and other things is, you know, use some mod- level of modular construction so that not everything is going to be concrete and steel. And there's a lot of, one of the benefits of that is speed. We don't have to have it up by a certain date per se, but we're really focused on 2026 at the latest. And if we were able to get something up sooner, that would be fantastic, but we want to do it right. And we want to make sure it's, uh, it's not rushed. So look, hopefully this time next year, we could go out there and there's something going on that we're, we're like, wow, this is happening. So ostensibly three years from now, we could be seeing maybe some of the first United games potentially, you know, if everything goes according to plan, uh, yeah, twenty twenty six, like uh, two and a half years from now. So hopefully March of that season. So we're at the end of the season now. So yeah, so about two and a half years from now, we'd be. If I if my math works, it's been a while. Three this years sixth from now, grade. Three years from now, we're gearing up for our first playoff game in that new Home stadium. Play, right. Mm. All right. Actually, we're gearing down for a few weeks for Balloon Fiesta. <laughs> and well, we're all going to watch do that. And then when Balloon Fiesta is over, we'll be gearing up for our I first like playoff Balloon game. Fiesta marks a lot of milestones on this podcast. So let's just keep with that trajectory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. Well, um, we do appreciate you both coming in here and giving us the, the whole, the 411, if you will, about all the matters related to this stadium. Is there anything else that you, either of you wanted to add that perhaps we didn't ask you directly about? No, I mean, I think 
just very appreciative of the time. It's great to have these conversations. I think it's really easy, especially in a day and age of social media to get um, information that isn't grounded in facts. So going when you pull out the lease and we start reading through it together here, that's tremendous. You know, there was one aspect of the lease that you didn't touch on that I also think is super important, was really important to us. And, and I know the city's also uh, appreciative, which is that at the end of the lease, we're going to be donating the stadium to the city for a dollar. So from day one, we wanted this to be a community project. From day one, we've really said this isn't about land development, about stadium development, about some kind of, you know, financial plan to, you know, to, to make a bunch of money. And it's really about making our state a little bit better. And so at the end of the lease, we'll be donating. It doesn't mean we're not going to be playing there anymore or, or any of those things. It just, you know, one day this will be a public asset, which is probably the right thing to have happen. And until and that time, we'll be good, you know, we'll create it and be great stewards of it and activate it. And then long after I'm gone, you know, somebody's grandkids will hand over the keys and we'll be ready for the next generation of New Mexicans to use it. All right. Thank you, Will. Appreciate your time. Thanks for taking us. Thanks again to David Weesey Carl and Peter Trevisani, both with the New Mexico United, for informing us and getting the answers to all of our burning questions up to this point. Yeah, I think that lease agreement is definitely worth taking a look at to see all of what is sort of in the city's agreement. I will put a link to that to PDF of that in the show notes here. Essentially, um, the base rent for this, United is gonna pay the city about $35,000 per year with a 2% increase over the period of that lease. And then as well, the city will get a cut of the parking fees, essentially, that United collects for people to park on the site. I believe it's about 10% of the net revenue from parking fees annually. So that's how much the city is making essentially on this. Yeah, and we'll be sure to stay on top of all the potential changes as this goes through city council. And as Peter said, it won't be so quick that things get done. Hopefully a few years from now is what we're looking at for the first games to be played. And to that point, he mentioned the EPC, that is the Environmental Planning Commission. The first thing out of pretty much any of this that needs to happen is an update to the Balloon Fiesta Park Master Plan, which was I believe approved sometime within the last decade. I think I did a news story about it a long time ago. I'll have to Google it. But essentially, the Balloon Fiesta Park master plan does not currently outline a stadium there. That needs to be sort of worked into the plan first. And that is very clearly outlined in the lease agreement. In fact, it's the only thing in all caps in the lease agreement. (laughs) So you can tell the emphasis is there. That needs to happen first. We appreciate you joining us here for the podcast this week. I'm at chris.mckee at krqe.com, also at chrismckeetv. And I'm gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening.